Welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you'll find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows to do the same. This is not a grief group. This is your journey, and it just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of your loss. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of the book, Widowed, and of The Widow Coach. I'm also a professionally certified life coach. Let the healing and the personal journey back to who you are begin. Hello, my friends. I'm back. I'm back. I have a couple things I want to talk about today on this podcast. Um, The first one is really a little bit more about how your thoughts create the results in your life. You know, I've talked to you all about the thought model. And I know that there are some of you out there that are a little confused about this. And I get that. I get that. And I'll tell you why. Um, When my father was in the hospital and terminal, we knew he was going to die within the next 24 to 48 hours, basically. And um, we all stayed there with him. But that night, uh, you know, everybody went home. They got my mom home so she could get some sleep. I stayed on at the hospital. I stayed on till about three, four in the morning. And at one point in the night, my father was fighting so hard. I mean, he hadn't really been conscious for the whole day. And I watched him because he was hooking his feet through the bed rails on the hospital bed. And he was pushing so hard. He was, his ankles were like bruising immediately. And I finally leaned over to him and I said, daddy, it's okay to go. You can just stop fighting it now. And after that, um, he died. (laughs) <laughs> he died. And it wasn't like immediate. It was the next morning. Everybody else was back in there when he passed away. But in my mind, it was really hard for me to process that because I felt like I told him to die and he died because I told him to die. Okay. Uh, clearly not true. Perhaps he gave up the fight a little bit. Hearing that reassurance, I mean, I know I've heard from other people who have told loved ones to go ahead and it was okay to go. And I think that's one of the most precious gifts you can give someone. Now, in hindsight, I can see that. But at the time that I told my dad, you know, daddy, it's okay. Stop fighting. That it was my fault that he died. Not so. I'll tell you why. Our thoughts can't jump into someone else and create their outcome. It is always what they choose to think. Always, always, always. If only we could have our thoughts jump into someone else. I mean, oh my gosh, I could manipulate all kinds of people in my life to do things the way I want them done. But it just doesn't work that way, right? We can't manipulate others. It's not even nice to try to manipulate others. Let's be honest. 
your thoughts, create your own emotions and actions and results in your life. Your thoughts cannot create the results in another person's life. So if you are trying to coach yourself through your thinking and you're looking at a thought that you think and you know how that thought makes you feel and when you feel that way, you know how you usually act, the result you're going to create is a result for you. It's not a result for someone else ever. They create their results. We can't manipulate the results that somebody else creates. So if somebody else dies, it's not because we told them it was okay to die. It's not because we even wished them dead. I've talked to people about that, not widows, but people have come to me for coaching because they really felt that they wished somebody else dead and that person died, right? No, you can't wish somebody else dead. It's their decision, right? Whether they made that decision before they even came into this life or made that decision at the time they went, I'm not sure when the timer goes off on our life. Some people may think God decides when you're done. Some people may think you decide when you're done or that you've learned what you came is with what we think or say. By the same token, you um, cannot create how somebody else feels. All right. Sometimes people will say, oh, you made me feel bad. You made me feel insignificant. You made me feel angry. We don't make them feel any of that. It's what they choose to think about something we did or said. Same thing about people outside of you. You cannot say truly, he made me angry. What made you angry is what you made it mean that he said or did, right? When somebody says something to you, you have a choice for how you want to think about what they're saying. And in making that choice of how you want to think about it, that's what's going to create how you feel. So other people can't put feelings into us and we can't put feelings into other people, right? Now, we can perhaps teach somebody else to think about something differently. That's basically what we do with coaching. And when I teach coaching, I'm really teaching you how to look at the world a little differently. I'm teaching you how to see your thoughts and teaching you how to choose, teaching you how to change some neuropathways to be able to create changes in your life that you want. But I can't force you to. If you come to me and say, um, oh, it's just like my weight loss clients when I first started coaching, they would come to me and say, you know, I need to lose 50 pounds. And I would say, great, let's work together on that. I never, ever would guarantee them that they're going to lose 50 pounds working with me. I couldn't guarantee their weight loss. And I made it clear to them right at the outset of our coaching relationship. I can't guarantee weight loss because I can't make you 
do the things that will help you start to reach a more comfortable weight for your body. Really, they have to do the work. They have to learn what it is I'm telling them. They have to apply it because I can't get in their head and make them do it, right? I wouldn't even want to. If I could control the whole world, I might as well just stay at home in my own house and buy Barbie dolls and tell them what to do, right? It's like playing with dolls if you are trying to manipulate the people in your life. So the upshot is... You don't create anybody else's results in their life. They are in charge of that. The results that you create with your thoughts are the results in your life. Does this make sense? I certainly hope so. Um, it's very hard to break this down without giving you graphs and displays and teaching you for 12 weeks how to be a certified widow coach, <laughs> but this is what working with another coach helps you see and understand and pin down for yourself, as well as doing the program to learn to be a widow coach. You really learn the ins and outs of the thought model and exactly how it works. It's a very simple, elegant tool, but it can also be very uh, complex. It takes a while to really get the hang of it. Um, one of the things about that thought model tool coaching, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go back and listen through my podcast because I explain the thought model. I explain it in my book, The Widow Coach. Um, it is your circumstances being pure facts that create the thoughts that you choose to think about the facts and what you choose to think about the facts creates how you feel. And everything we do or don't do in life is all about our feelings. It's all about how we want to feel or how we don't want to feel. So how you feel really affects what you do in your life. And that's what creates the results in your life. All right. So, um, you can't wish things for someone else. You can try to. You can just hold good thoughts for them, but really the results in their life are the results in their life. And when you're doing the model for yourself, the results you're creating are the results for yourself. And note that when you are creating the model, that the thought that you're working with is a sentence, not a question. If it's a question, you need to reform it in a sentence to have a clean outcome on the model. If you have any more questions, you can email me or come to class. <laughs> come become a certified widow coach and learn the ins and outs of this. Another thing I wanted to share with you all is something that struck me the other day. You know, my house is on the market because I want to move somewhere where it doesn't snow, among some other things. And um, earlier this week, I got notification that there was a realtor that wanted to show the house. So, of course, you know, I was zipping around here, putting things away, cleaning it up before um, the showing. And I always, right before... I'm going to leave the house so that it can be shown. I do a quick walk through the house, right? To see if I left the newspaper sitting on a chair or something. Let's just tidy that up. 
And I noticed last time I walked into my office here and I still had studio lights up. Now, my studio lights, <laughs> you guys, they're ugly. They're not professional studio lights. When I first started doing all of this stuff, I did not have a huge budget in any way. Um, and what I discovered created great studio lighting for the videos and for teaching. You know, I teach on live video when we do the class. I'm teaching you live. We can all see each other on screen. Um, I bought a couple of those drop lights at Home Depot, like guys use to work on their cars. You know the kind I'm talking about? They're like just an ugly can light that you can clamp onto something. I bought two of those, and then I bought some uh, diffuser filter paper, like photographers use these sheets of paper. And I cut the sheets and layered them to diffuse the light on those can lights a little bit. And the way I hold the sheets onto the light is with clothespins. Now, do you have the visual? We're talking a couple of ugly garage clamp-on work lights clamped behind my monitor on either side with sheets of, it looks like wax paper, clamped onto them with wooden clothespins. It's not neat and tidy. It's pretty ugly. And I always take them down when the house is going to be shown. Because I thought people are going to come in here and say, what is going on? But I have to tell you, if you are going to do any kind of professional video recording at all, this is what you want. It's a great setup. It looks fabulous. I've had videographers even comment when I'm on a Zoom call with them in a mastermind how good my quote-unquote studio lighting looks. And I kind of inwardly giggle, thinking if they only knew I've spent all of $20 on this lighting instead of hundreds of dollars on equipment. But here's the deal. I had overlooked taking them down until that moment because when something has been there for a while, you get used to it and you stop seeing it, right? It's like um, when you walk into a hotel room, if something's been left behind or out of place, you see it almost right away. At least I do. I spot it right away. In your own home, you don't see things out of place because they've been out of place over and over. We become kind of blinded to it. This is a little bit of what happens to us when we get stuck in the emotions of our grief. I've seen this over and over again. What happens is all of that um, emotional pain of your grief becomes like the wallpaper on the wall and you don't even see it anymore. And it actually becomes your new comfort zone. You can't see beyond it. Your grief becomes the new norm that you're living with. And I hear widows talk about, oh, you know, things don't go back to normal. You get the new normal. Make sure your new normal isn't the pain and suffering of losing someone. I mean, we go through the pain and suffering, but you really do want to be able to see beyond it. If you become so encompassed in your misery that it becomes your new comfort zone, 
now being happy is outside your comfort zone. It's a scary thing to go there because happy is not in your comfort zone. Is this making sense? It is so true for so many widows that I've talked to. They don't even want to feel joy. They don't want to do something that would give them happiness because it's frightening. Their comfort zone has become my ugly studio lights, right? They're living in a world of garage clamp-on lights and clothespins and tacked up paper. And it sounds ridiculous and I'm not making light of it because this is not something to be made light of. This is such a deep emotional place to be stuck. And you really have to find the courage within to go outside of that comfort zone of your misery and know that it's okay to get out there and feel happy about something again, to get out there and take joy in something, to go outside of your house, meet with some friends, go to a party. It sounds like so, oh, I can't go to the party. I'll be alone. Everybody else will be couples. I'm going to be so uncomfortable. I would just rather stay home and be miserable. But if you actually go to the party, you might actually be able to let go of your misery and have a little bit of joy and connection with friends. It feels like a scary place to go only because your new norm has become your grief and your suffering. It, this is not the new norm that you want to choose. Trust me. We want to Allow yourself to experience the feelings of grief. I'm not telling you to ignore your feelings by any means. I encourage widows just the opposite. I teach the opposite. I teach you how to process those feelings, how to allow those feelings. I teach that we can feel anything and survive it, right? Our brain thinks we're going to die, Sometimes if I'm embarrassed about something, my brain thinks I would die being embarrassed because embarrassed is uncomfortable. My brain is like, we have to just go eat a bag of Oreos so we don't feel this embarrassment because we could die. <laughs> Good reason to eat a bag of Oreos, right? Now that I know I can sit and feel embarrassed, and I will not die. I can handle embarrassment. I can go risk doing something that I will be embarrassed about later. Awesome. Come on, embarrassment. I have felt you before. Usually what I do now is I share my embarrassment with others. <laughs> Tell my friends, you're not going to believe what I did. Oh my God, it was so embarrassing. And when I tell them and we laugh together about it, the embarrassment is gone, gone. But I allowed myself to feel it instead of stuffing it down in some way. So definitely the emotions that you feel in the loss of your loved one, you can allow those emotions to come on in. But don't live there. Don't leave those emotions in place so that they become part of 
what you expect in life. It's okay to move beyond them. It's okay to take down the ugly studio lights and just enjoy the beauty of your life again. So listen, what you can do for me, I've received beautiful emails from listeners saying, you know, where do I make a contribution? Where can I contribute to this? How can I help support you? tell you. It's as easy as going into iTunes or Google Music Play, wherever it is you listen to this, and leave a review. Um, iTunes does not make it easy. You have to go in there and search for the podcast like you never subscribe to it, and then click on the podcast and click on reviews. And in there, you'll see where you can leave a review. You can give me stars. Five stars are nice, <laughs> but I don't push for that. Um, and if you wish, you can just leave a sentence or two about listening to the podcast or what you think about the podcast. So go leave me a review, especially in iTunes. It's kind of critical in iTunes. Um, I'm not sure exactly how their algorithms work for what podcasts they show people when they search. But I know that having lots of downloads and lots of reviews helps. So go leave me a review. And by the next podcast, I hope to have some information for you all about the membership site that is being built right now, the Widow Coaching Center. I can't wait to open that up to you all. So get out there, find some joy in your life outside of that zone of misery that you might be getting too comfortable with. Push yourself, push yourself to feel your feelings. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>